I think 100% all the time is unrealistic, but I think it's knowing knowing what you need to give when it's only 80%, the most important thing that you do need to give, you know, because obviously we're all human. There's going to be days that we're sick. There's going to be days that we're going through something in our personal life that's weighing on us, you know, it's the beauty of going full out. I mean, that's one of the things that we talk about in our program. You don't know how you're going to feel the one day that we get to compete or the two days that we get to compete. You might be sick. You might be going through a breakup with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You might be going through a hard time. But if you can go full out during those times, you know, and we practice that way. So like we obviously we give people time off if they're sick and stuff. But if the, but our ultimate goal is to be able to go full out no matter how you're feeling that day and, and push ourselves to that. And so I think, you know, knowing and being aware, awareness is a great thing of what you do need to give when you are not 100%. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks Cut from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact Decoding successful special guests, now let's bring Matt Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Matt Labrie here, your host of the Decoding Success Podcast. You're rocking with us on episode number 237. And today we are joined by one of the most winningest coaches in NCAA history. So let me paint the picture a little bit here. When I think of the most winningest coaches before learning about this incredible individual's work through being featured in the Netflix docuseries Cheer, I may have just gave it away. Today we are joined by Monica Aldama. Before learning about that, when I think of the most winningest coaches, I think of Coach K from the Duke University men's basketball team. I think of Urban Meyer. Like, that's where my mind goes. But when you really think of the Mount Rushmore of college coaches and the most winningest college coaches nonetheless, that Mount Rushmore features our friend and guest today, Monica Aldama. As mentioned, you may know her from the Netflix docuseries that is wildly, wildly popular, known as Cheer, as they cover the Navarro College Cheer team. She is the head coach of that team. And being the head coach of that team, she has helped her students, her team, go full out, which is exactly why she has 14-plus championships under her belt. Highly, highly accomplished. So today, Monica is joining us as she helps us go full out in every area of our life. She's going to be telling us what full out actually means, where that came from. She's going to be telling us how to do it or teaching us how to do it. And how about this? Even if you don't feel like you're worth it, we're going to be diving into that, right? If you don't feel like you're worth a full out mentality. We're going to be diving into that. We're going to be talking about being able to reset our energy. If you watch the show on Netflix, you can see that Monica is known for being able to reset her energy in the snap of a finger. And she's going to be helping us learn how to do that as well, because our energy can be contagious. And when you're a leader and you step into a room and people are looking at you, asking you or being willing to be led by you, you need to come at them correct. She's going to be teaching us how to do that. Also, we're going to be talking about surrender. Monica's life took sacrifice. It took being able to surrender into the plan that a greater power has out for her. So we're diving into all of that good stuff today. I'm really excited to have you rocking with us for this episode in particular. If you are not sharing these episodes yet, this is a must-share episode. So make sure you're doing that to at least two people in your life, directly, indirectly, on social, off social, via text, via email, via word of mouth, however you want to do that. But make sure you are sharing Monica's good word 
The minute the light bulb goes off in your head today, make sure you're sharing it. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Monica Aldama. Monica, welcome to Decoding Success. As mentioned, your backdrop right now is absolutely incredible, and it goes to show why you are on the Mount Rushmore of coaching in college. It's absolutely incredible. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. Well, let's actually start there. Mount Rushmore of coaching, like legit, you have won so many championships. And I mean, it's being showcased all over on Netflix and through your work, through your book. How does that feel? It feels great. It feels like all the sacrifices that I've, you know, put into this program, into this job are worth it. I didn't plan on being here this long, but here I am still here. So obviously it's worth it. What are some of those sacrifices, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I think anybody that's ever coached any sport knows that the hours that you put in as a coach are very different than your normal eight to five job. It's honestly a 24 seven job. You are maybe not physically working, you know, every minute of the day, but you are available every minute of the day, even if it's, you know, a phone call in the middle of the night because something has happened. So the sacrifices are, you know, times with my family, a social life, time with friends. I miss a lot of events, you know, for my responsibilities, because not only do we have our own goal that we are trying to reach, which is, of course, our competition at the end of the season. But, you know, as as cheerleaders, we have a lot of responsibilities for cheering. You know, we're at football games, basketball games, volleyball, soccer, community events, you name it. And, you know, we're the first ones that are called to to come and do something. So our schedule is pretty packed already. And we usually are working or doing something at least one day during the weekend. There are a few weekends that we do get off there. I'll actually have a Saturday and Sunday to myself, but those that's not a lot. And so obviously I do miss out on whether it's just my family going out behind the house and going fishing together and I'm not there. So, you know, you, you sacrifice a lot of your own personal time and relationships with friends and stuff when you're coaching. And I think in any sport. Absolutely. I'm curious to learn, being that you dedicate yourself so much to not just the program, but the individuals that are within the program, where's the balance of you giving so much to other people and you giving yourself enough to you? Well, I'll be honest. It is something I need to work on and I have gotten better at it. My work-life balance has been very out of proportion for a very long time. And as I've gotten older, I have realized that, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I do need Mm -hmm. to take care of myself. And so I've gotten a little bit better at saying no to things. I'm still not where I need to be, but I'm getting better. And, and I'm not allowing myself to guilt myself as much because I just have this thing that I was born with where I feel like I always need to be working. You know, I don't, I feel guilty if I have too much downtime and I'm trying to, you know, get rid of that and actually you know, realize that I deserve to have my own downtime and personal time. So it's something I'm, I'm working on and getting a little bit better at. Where do you feel like that guilt of not working comes from? You know, I don't know. I guess just, you know, different people have different personalities. And I guess that's just, we'll, we'll call it a defect, a personality defect of mine. <laughs> that uh, Because it can be, it's a great trait to have when you are working towards goals, but it also can 
be negative because it can put you in a place, you know, where you are too stressed out all the time and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So that's what I've been working on a lot. And I think it was just, you know, a personality trait that I was born with. I just feel like I should be being productive at all times. I respect it. I totally respect it. I want to transition here to full out your new book. Absolutely incredible. I want to dive into the details, but I'm just curious to learn, like, why did you feel like right now was the time for you to write this book? Well, you know, with coaching, and I'm once again, I'm pretty sure all coaches would agree that when you are coaching, you have a lot of stories, you have a lot of events that happen that are learning, not only for yourself, but what you're trying to, you know, teach the athletes that you're coaching. And uh, so at the end of every year, you know, I kind of joked around, oh, I need to write a book, I'm going to keep this story in my back pocket, I'm going to put it in that book that I'm going to write one day. And so it was always kind of a thought. And then when cheer came out back in 2020, I had so many people messaging me wanting advice from honestly, all aspects of life from relationships to parenting to also work and business and coaching. And so I thought it was a perfect opportunity, you know, well, I've got all these people wanting this information from me. So best time, you know, to write a book. And then of course we went into a pandemic. So I did actually have a lot of time on my hands. Mm, Absolutely. I'm curious to learn what does full out mean to you? Now I'm sure, you know, someone that hears the word full out, we can make an assumption, but I'm curious, like, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, it means giving a hundred percent in, in all areas of your life. And, you know, we call it full out in cheerleading. It's, it's when we run our routine with everything in it, it's very hard to do but it's very rewarding at the same time Mm. to be able to accomplish that. And, you know, you, I just feel like if you're living your life full out in all areas, not just work, but you're, you're giving yourself a hundred percent at home, you know, in your parents, your relationship with your spouse, you know, and, and for yourself, which that's, that's the one thing I'm working on, but yeah, you know, (laughs) do you feel like you can give 100% of yourself all the time? Or is there some days where it's like 80%? No, I think 100% all the time is unrealistic, but I think it's knowing knowing what you need to give when it's only 80%, the most important thing that you do need to give, you know, because obviously we're all human. There's going to be days that we're sick. There's going to be days that we're going through something in our personal life that's weighing on us, you know, there's, but you know, that's the beauty of going full out. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that we talk about in our program. You don't know how you're going to feel the one day that we get to compete or the two days that we get to compete, you might be sick. You might be going through a breakup with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You might be going through a hard time, but if you can go full out during those times, you know, and, and we practice that way. So like we, obviously we give people time off if they're sick and stuff, but at the, but our ultimate goal is to be able to go full out no matter how you're feeling that day and, and push ourselves to that. And so I think, you know, knowing and being aware, awareness is a great thing of what you do need to give when you are not a hundred percent, you know. Absolutely. Now I'm curious, where does cheerleading come into your life? And I know the answer to this, but I just want to bring everyone up to speed that's tuned into this right now, just to kind of connect the dots here. Well, you know, cheerleading let me preface this by saying cheerleading has evolved quite a bit since I was younger. And so all-star cheerleading, which is basically like club baseball or, you know, club sports that you get to do outside of a school that started really at the end of my high school days. And it was just kind of starting up. It really wasn't even what it is now. So the only opportunities that I had as a child in cheerleading 
was through school. And so what I did before that is I did gymnastics, which I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, you know, that's kind of a a road to cheerleading for a lot of people is gymnastics. But I did have a great gymnastics gym in, in our town and I did gymnastics. I did, you know, bars, beam, floor, vault. And then when I was old enough to try out for cheerleader in middle school, I did that. And of course, I cheered all through school. And I had no plans of coaching cheerleading. That was not my goal for work. I, you know, went to business school. I have a finance degree and I really saw myself or my goal was I thought for sure one day I was going to be the CEO of some company, most likely on Wall Street in New York City, because I just thought that would be the ultimate goal. And of course, life happened and took me down this path that I'm, you know, actually probably was God's plan for me because it's taught me so much more than I feel like than than I've even been, been able to give back. And it allowed me to build this great program through all the wonderful business things that I already had learned with something that I absolutely love. I mean, cheerleading is something if, if you almost don't really understand it unless you've done it, but it's, it just, it sucks you in and there's so much passion. And I think probably in other sports too, you see these men that will cry at the very last football game they know they're ever going to play at because they love it that much. So to be able to get to have a career with something that I love that much has been, you know, wonderful. Absolutely. I'm curious, why New York City though? I live in New York City, but like, why did you want to make it here? I don't know. You see, the thing about it was I had never even been to New York City, but the thought of Wall Street sounded so successful to me that I thought that had to be the ultimate dream, the ultimate goal, you know, because I did have a finance degree. I love numbers. I love math. And I thought, you know, that's, that's where I need to go. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. I definitely get it. I want to backtrack a little bit. And you talked about, you know, the plan that you thought you wanted to go down, but life turned into a different direction. How do you, or what's your advice to actually surrender into what would be potentially quote unquote, God's plan, as you mentioned, I would say, don't be scared to take opportunities that number one, come your way or to try new things. And, you know, you can always pivot later if that's, Mm -hmm. if you find out that's not, you know, the right path for you. And I honestly didn't even think then I thought this was going to be very short term because I had graduated from college and I had married my high school sweetheart. We had moved to Dallas. I was working at a company up there and I hated my job. I was just, you know, took the first job that I was offered just to have an income and get my feet on the ground. And like I said, just very much weird way that this happened. My, my friend from high school called me that was a baseball coach here and said, Hey, our cheerleading coach is leaving. You need to come apply for this job. And so why he thought of me, why I had zero coaching experience. I had never coached in my life. (laughs) I was very young too. I had graduated college a semester early. So I was only 22 years old and I, yeah, I was very young. And so I thought, why not? Why not? I could do this, you know, and I'll, until I figure out what I'm going to do, when I'm going to go to New York city, when I'm going <laughs> to jump into the financial world, you know, I'll do this. I love cheerleading and, and why not? And so I applied somehow got the job with zero experience. And, you know, I looked at it as a challenge, you know, mm. I wanted to take this program and I'm very competitive. So if I'm going to be a part of something, I want it to be the best. And so I just, immediately started, you know, strategizing and trying to figure out how I was going to put this team on the map, how I was going to win a national championship. 
because this team had not ever done that. There were only 14 people on the team when I got here. And now we have about 40. So yeah, you know, I, I put everything I had into it. I didn't, although I thought it would be a very temporary stop for me, I was not going to not go full out. I was going to give everything that I had to this and try to make it the best that I could. But I fell in love with this program. And, you know, when, when you build something from the ground, you are very invested. This is like my baby, my child. So every year I just, you know, was deeper in it. And then I was starting to reach these goals. And yeah, I just, here I am. I'm now That's a beautiful thing. On, I'm, now I'm on year 28. I don't know. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I love this. So you told us what full out means to you, but I'm curious, what does it take to go full out? And I can make the assumption that awareness would be something that's incorporated in that as, you know, through your elaboration of what full out means, but what else does it take to actually go full out? I think it takes self-discipline, honestly, because okay. a lot of people are not willing to sacrifice their social life and uh, they're not willing to do the hard thing, you know? And I think, you know, you see it a lot, the choices that people make if they are, you know, they're needed somewhere, but but something else is more fun or maybe they're too tired or, you know, it just really takes self-discipline because there's been plenty of days that I've not been a hundred percent myself, but I knew that I needed to get up and get the job done. And so self-discipline, self-accountability, I think probably are the two, you know, biggest things because you're not always going to be motivated right? You're not always going to come in with that fire. Like, this is it. We're going to look great today. So you have to have that self-discipline to still have that same mentality. What's your advice to become more disciplined and maybe not lie to ourselves? Cause that's something that, I mean, I, I personally would never lie to you, but I lie to myself. I'm, you know, tell myself I'm not going to eat pizza. And then all of a sudden I'm eating pizza, you know? So what's the process of becoming more disciplined? Well, I, you know, I mean, same. How many times have I said on Monday, I'm going to start eating better, you know? (laughs) So I I definitely can see where those, you know, those things that eh, if if I do it, it's great. And if I don't, I don't, it's a little bit harder to dig down and and find that self-discipline. So in those situations, because for me, for work, it's easy. Like I said, I'm a worker. I, I have that personality of wanting to be the best. So when it comes to work, you know, I'm ready to sacrifice. I'm ready. The self-discipline is just there. When it comes to not eating that pizza, now that's a little bit harder. <laughs> and I think in those situations, that's where you find people to keep, to help you stay accountable. Like when I work out, if I work out in a class, I'm way better because I have people that are holding me accountable and I have a schedule. You know, if you want me to come home and just go run out in the park, you know, it's harder because I know that nobody cares if I do it or not. Mm. (laughs) Nobody cares. You know, it's only going to benefit me. It's not benefiting anyone else. So in those situations, when you don't have other people that need you and you're only going to benefit yourself, you know, having accountability partners is great and some kind of motivation, whether it's little short goals or, you know, whatever, you know, by the end of this month, I'm going to whatever I'm going to, instead of using these 10 pounds dumbbells, I'm going to be at 15, whatever the small goal is, you know? Right. For sure. Now, is there a balance between being empathetic when you're trying to become more disciplined and also being firm, right? Yeah. You know, I think that's a hard one to figure out too. And it took me many years of tweaking things to figure that out because you definitely, I I feel like all kinds of success is built on relationships, whether 
you're working at a bank or whatever, you know, people want to feel appreciated. People want to feel needed and people want to feel respected. And so if you're leading that group, you have to figure out how to get, you know, the best out of them. So number one, my biggest thing is treat people the way you would want to be treated. Speak to them the way you would want to be spoken to. So, you know, respect is not demanded, it's earned. So I've really tried hard to be the one that leads by example. And, you know, if I, I'm not a yeller, I mean, obviously I've yelled, I'm a coach. There's going to be moments <laughs> that require a little bit of yelling, but that's not my go-to. If I want to talk to someone about a situation, then I usually pull them to the side because number one, I want to be respectful to not to purposely embarrass them. And I feel like that it can be a more meaningful conversation where I can get more out of them. So, but if I'm very direct, it kind of also gives that discipline part of it too. I'm not going to, you know, tiptoe around the situation. I'm going to be direct. I'm going to ask the tough questions. I'm going to ask those, you know, with a empathetic heart, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to combine that so that they know that, yes, my expectation is high and maybe you screwed up and I'm disappointed in you, but I still love you. And I still want the best for you because I have these expectations is why, you know, I, that's why I want the best for you. I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt you or discipline you. Like, I just want the best out of you. Absolutely. I'm curious as a leader, as a coach, how do you, and maybe I'm just overthinking it here, but like, how do you manage the different personalities? Like right now you have 40 plus people on your team. Like those 40 plus people are so unique and so individualistic. Like, how do you manage each difference in these people? Well, you know, I think that's where the 27 years of experience that I just, you know, finished my 27th year, that's where that comes in handy because I didn't know when I first started, I had so many things to learn. I thought I was going to come in and coach cheerleading. <laughs> wow. That's, that's not it at all. You don't get to come in and coach cheerleading. You are wearing many, many hats. You are their advisor, you're their counselor, you're their mm -hmm. disciplinarian, you're their coach, you're their, you know, structure when they have zero, you're everything. And so, and everybody needs a little something different from you. And then everybody's personalities are different. So the way I can speak to this one person is not the way I can speak to this person. And I know that even if I'm, if I'm too direct with this person, it's going to crush their confidence yet I can be super direct with this person because they're going to be so motivated to get it right, you know? And that just, I think, has come with me experience of working with different people. And, you know, I've not always done it right. I've screwed up many of times and that's how I've learned. And I try to be very open, have open communication and ask, you know, let them know that they have a voice too. Like, tell me why you feel this way. Well, you said this and it hurt my feelings. Okay, well, I apologize. Number one, I didn't mean it to come off that way. And so, and those are learning moments for me. Okay, this sure. is, you know, so it's definitely not something I don't even think you can, you know, learn in a class. You, you have to like dip your toes in and, you know, you, you screw up sometimes, you know, but, yeah. and, uh, but you have to be open, I think. And this is with anything in life to know, like, you're learning too. Like, what am I bringing to the table and what do I need to work on? And that's really all aspects of life, a whole nother conversation. But, you know, I knew like, I want to get the best out of these athletes. So let me learn as I go too. like through every single situation and conversation, you know, I'm analyzing myself too. Did I handle that the best? Could I have said something differently? Should I have said something differently? Should I have spoken to them sooner? 
you know, or wow, that didn't go well. They just had a mental breakdown. Let me go back to the drawing board and, and think about how to be more sensitive with these types of personalities. So it really has come with a lot of experience. Right. Absolutely. The experience. And what I love that you're saying is almost that as much as you're the coach, you're also coachable, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what's your advice to become coachable? Like to, to put the ego aside, to say, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I don't know everything. I'm still learning day by day. You know, that's a tough one because especially in the world that we're living in right now, it really makes me sad at times because when you, you look at Paul, I don't do politics, so we're not even going to touch on that. But when you look at say politics and there's so many people just fighting each other and on so many issues. And it's just like, wait a minute, like we all probably want the best for the world and the situation. Like let's step back, you know, and be open to like, my views are not always perfect. Like let's all learn from each other. And so being coachable you know, I wish I knew the answer to that because it's really just, I think someone, and it might even be, once again, you have to kind of experience some things that mm-hmm. put you in a, a situation where you're more vulnerable, you know, and I talk about my divorce in my book. And that was a great learning moment for me because what I did at that time is I was going, you know, that was a, a low moment for me. And all I wanted to do was become a better version of myself. And it was because because I was going through this, you know, difficult time. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, when they go through a divorce, they blame each other. Number Mm -hmm. one, I mean, they don't even like each other. They blame each other. And so I took ownership of any mistakes that I made. And I knew I had a lot of strong personality traits I needed to work on. I was always right. I needed, (laughs) I, I, I never apologized because I was always right, you know? And so I was like, at that time, I wanted to become a better version of myself. And I think that was kind of a turning point for me to become very coachable because I wanted to always be accountable for the fact that I am not always right. What can I learn from this? What did I bring to the table? Did did I, did I screw that up? You know? And so that's kind of where my mindset goes from the beginning of any situation. Wait, did I, did I... I'm not always right. So let me think, am I looking at this situation through a set of eyes that are not looking at other people's perspectives? Because let me start there. This person is very different from me. They had a very different background. Maybe they truly saw the situation through a different set of eyes that, and you know, so nobody's wrong, but we have, we just need to respect each other's backgrounds and upbringings Mm. and how we're looking at this and how can we work together to still come up with the best solution or the best, you know, what, whatever the situation is, but how do you get there though? I mean, I wish I could tell everybody, listen, and I do, I try to, you know, teach that to the kids. And I think every time they hear it, it's kind of like a little light bulb. But once again, it's one of those things where it takes a lot sometimes for you to actually realize it. And it might even be where you, you know, are going through a hard time and it really like the light bulb really becomes bright. And you're like, maybe I'm not always right. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I do need to have a little bit more awareness of what, you know, I'm bringing that's maybe not the best. Yeah, for sure. One of the many things that I love about you, Monica, and I, I saw this on the show, which is a great show, by the way, I have to say, like, I've played sports my whole life. I've never been a cheerleader, but I played baseball and basketball. One thing you did on the show was when 
you needed an energy shift. You would like walk out and then come back in. And I, I really love that because like, and I'm tying this in because you were mentioning how you were experiencing a low moment in your life. And I'm just curious to learn, like, how did you shift your energy or shift your attitude in such a way? Like you would just walk out, come back in, you're a new person. Well, because I didn't, you know, I don't want my negative energy to dictate mm. a practice and it can. And I think not only can mine, and I try to tell the athletes too, like your body language is contagious. So when you, you know, when you walk on the mat, now like leave all the drama, the whatever you're going through out, out there. And this is where we need to like, everyone has to be their best for us to get anywhere. So let's lift each other up. And so, you know, whatever that day was, you know, this person was going to be out for a week, this person, you know, I'm hit getting hit with things that are stressing me out. So I could feel my attitude become a negative, you know, mm. I'm like, well, that's not going to help the situation. First of all, let me because they're going to look to me for how this practice is going to go today. So I'm going to go leave my stuff, my stress outside and come back in with the, you know, a new attitude of, this, these are the goals that we need to accomplish today. And let's, you know, make it a great day. And, Absolutely. And that goes with anything, you know, just like going back to when I went through a divorce, there were a lot of times that, you know, I felt a lot of sadness and, and I allowed myself to do that, but I also knew how powerful my mind is. And I was, you know, tell myself like, be sad right now, go have this moment to, to get the sadness out. But tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to look at everything positive that you have. And I try to always be glass half full, you mm -hmm. know, because why do I want to be glass half empty? There's always something we can be grateful for, right? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Now I'm curious if someone listening to this wanted to pick up the book, but they were only able to take one thing away from it. What would you want that one thing to be? There's a lot in there. I mean, I know, there's a ton in there. I think because I do feel like whatever journey you're at, whatever season of life that you're in at the moment, right. there, there might be a chapter that's more important than the other, but you know, I guess self-accountability, just because I do think that's such a good starting point for anything. Like I, I've kind of been talking about here, like taking the ownership of like, you're one person in millions, you know, let's, you're not always right. Your, your perspective is not the only one and being open to being coachable, like you just said. So self-accountability. And I think also another really big thing is that leading by example, because I do feel like, for example, in my, as a parent, I do the same thing for my own children that I do for my team. I try very hard to live my life through the expectations I have for them. So, you know, if I'm expecting them to act a certain way, to have certain manners, to work their hardest, I would guilt myself if I wasn't doing the same. So I try really hard to be that great leader in my household with my team. And I think whether you're a boss at work or whatever, that's how you're going to earn their respect. But those relationships are important, whether it's your spouse, your children, your team, you want to have that respect. And like I said earlier, it's, it's earned, you know, nobody, mm -hmm. nobody is demanded respect because of a title. And so your actions are going to, you know, gain that respect from whoever it is you're trying to lead. A hundred percent. I think one place and even beyond it on cheer through the book, like you lead by example, but another place you did a very good job of leading by example was on Dancing with the Stars, where you were in a bit of a different role, right? What was your experience like with Dancing with the Stars? You know, it was definitely the hardest thing that I've ever done. And really? Yeah, it was. And I know that's kind of shocking to hear, but 
number one, I was in an environment that I was very unfamiliar with. And I know a lot of people thought, oh, she's a cheerleader, which yes, I was many, 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 many years ago. (laughs) You know, that was the same thing as dance and it's not at all. So I knew nothing about ballroom dancing. I didn't know any of the terminology. I didn't know any of the steps. And I come into this and I'm competing against people who've done Broadway, who've done who've done ballroom dancing, who've done, who get up on a stage and perform five, five days out of the week, you know, and they've done that for years. And although, yes, I was a cheerleader back in the day, I did compete a handful of times because it was a very different industry back then. You know, it's not like I was on a stage in front of people all the time. I was on the other side. I was coaching, preparing, and then watching what we had worked on, you know? And so I walked in and I was, went in very confident. Oh, I'm I'm competitive. I know how, I know strategy. I know I've got great eyes on details. You know, this is my thing. And then I got there and I was suddenly very intimidated (laughs) and kind of shocked myself intimidated because I don't get intimidated too easily. Like I usually have a lot of confidence. And I was shocked at, at the lack of confidence that I had. And then the way that, you know, I was being taught was very different than the way we do things in my world. And so I think I was a little bit shocked at that too. And then I was, the media focused so much on, oh, how's the coach, the coach is being coached. How's she going to do, you know? And so I felt, I felt this pressure of like, oh, I have to be the perfect student because everybody's analyzing everything I do. And so I know better, but I just basically did whatever I was told because I was going to be the perfect little student, never say a word. Yes, sir. Whatever, whatever you tell me to do. And And that was not working at all because his style was so different than mine. My, we are very much a build each other up. Your confidence is so important for that performance. Like if if I feel like I've dinged your confidence, then I need to go back, fix it, you know, because there's been plenty of times where someone has messed up over and over right before we're about to, you know, go out. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like a worried. But I give the best like, oh, that don't worry about that. You've got this like because I want them to believe in themselves, you know, and I felt like my confidence was just getting beat down every single day. And finally, I remembered the important things that, you know, instead of being so in a bubble of like, oh, the media, the media, I, you know, knew I, I stepped up to what I knew what was important, which is communication. And I spoke up. And as soon as I did that, things changed. And I was, you know, once again, a learning moment for me. Don't, you know, you know what to do. You've been doing this. You know how relationships work. Yet here I was making the mistake and and just trying to do what I was told without using my voice. And, but yeah, it was hard. It was so hard. It was terrifying to go out there on live TV and do something you just learned that you feel like you probably still need two more weeks to practice. And then you start over the next week and do it again. It's it's pretty terrifying. <laughs> well, that that's a beautiful thing because it didn't stop you, right? So like the lack of confidence that you felt at times, the fact that it was terrifying, the fact that you were like stepping into something that was pretty much brand new to you, that didn't stop you. So what was it inside of you that lit up and helped you move forward regardless of all the things you were feeling? Oh, well, that's that competitiveness. I'm still a fighter. Yeah. I mean, I might be at the lowest of lows, but I'm still going to show up and I'm still going to fight till the very end, you know, and also know, like I said, that your mind is so powerful. 
So I, you know, definitely spoke a lot of positive affirmations into myself and Matt, we call it Matt talk. I Matt talked to myself every single day before I went to rehearsal, when I got home, before I went to bed, <laughs> you know, because it was hard and I didn't, I was, you know, already feeling mentally beat down. I had to be my own cheerleader. So I tried to keep my mindset very positive. And, you know, I think I've said it many of times, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. There is no mm. choice. I'm not stopping. I'm not giving up. I will continue to put one foot in front of the other, no matter how hard it is. Now, what is Matt talk? Is that like a pep talk? So Matt talk, you know, is like in cheerleading, it's really a lot of yelling is what it is. Because when we're, <laughs> when we're in the midst of a routine, you are basically giving your energy to the person next to you because there, it might be a part of the routine where it's very hard for them. So you're yelling, basically, it could be anything. It could be funny. It could be encouragement, whatever your little jo inside joke is, you know, but basically giving your energy to that person. That's what we call Matt talk. And it's very powerful. Honestly, when you go out and, and do a routine and nobody says a word and you just do it, it's the hardest thing you've ever done. But when everyone's talking to each other on that mat and the people on the outsides watching are also yelling, you know, this Matt talk to you, it's like this amazing magic that comes out of it, you know? So the word Matt talk kind of took off after season one came out. I was like, oh, wait, everybody really likes this word, Matt talk. We just, that's just what we call it in cheerleading, you know? So, you know, I do say though, that I Matt talk myself a lot because, you know, life is for anybody is going to be ups and downs, you know, peaks and valleys. You're going to, no matter how great your life is, you're going to go through difficult times. And, you know, those are times that I Matt talk myself the most, but it's because, you know, your mind is powerful. And if you allow the negative in there, or you even doubt yourself and speak negatively to yourself. That's the worst thing you can do because you definitely have to be your own cheerleader. And, you know, that voice yeah. never goes away. It's always No, there, it never so. does. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Now through your process of being in the homes of literally millions of people through cheer and dancing with the stars, what's been your biggest takeaway? You know, I, let me say this. When I was approached to do cheer, and it was a long time ago. We, we worked on it for quite some time before it ever came out. My first contact was in 2017 and it didn't come out till 2020. So I'm a very private person, believe it or not. <laughs> and so I was a little hesitant about even doing, you know, something that public. And there was absolutely no expectation that it would be so big. It is cheerleading, it has a stereotype. So a lot of people I didn't think would even watch it. We, we were just really hoping the cheer community would watch it. That's, that, that was the hope. So when it came out and it was so big and huge, it was took us all by surprise. And I was not ready for what was to come at all. And obviously being putting yourself out there like that, there's, there's a lot of great opportunities and a lot of great things, but there's also a lot of negative. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't ready for like <laughs> the criticism, you know, and the way people perceive every little thing. And I think it was a little shocking to me because I think maybe it was because it was cheerleading. And I think definitely because I was a female, you know, it wouldn't, you wouldn't think twice if someone was taking an ice bath after a football practice, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't think twice if they were taping up an ankle that didn't feel good, but they were going to push through practice. Yet it was strange, like all these different perceptions of things. Some were great. Some were shocking. 
Right. You know? No, 100%. I totally get that. That's really interesting how there was a bias there, but I guess that's still the world that we're in. It's really, really yeah. interesting. Wow. I'm, I'm actually really shocked to hear that. But transitioning here, I'm curious, you know, being that you were in the household of millions of people and you even mentioned it before, you know, you were getting tons of questions, DMs or whatever. And I, I know that you've been on podcasts as well. I'm just curious, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? Oh, goodness. You know, I, I don't know. I've, I've been asked pretty much everything I can even think of <laughs> because I've done so many interviews and so many podcasts. I think the, you know, I was actually doing an interview yesterday and I, and I mentioned this, but you know, some of the negative things that have happened, it, it, it would be nice to focus on the positive things because it really is mostly so many wonderful things yet everybody wants a, a headline. Everybody wants mm. that one little wording that's, you know, or, you know, show the falls or just something crazy, you know? And I'm like, that's, that's not, it's not that, you know, like that was a crazy edit. You know, they showed every single time we fell, you know, but we're very safe. We're like, we're educated. We are experienced, you know? And, and so there's just so many great things about being in a sport and not even just cheerleading, but being that teach you about life and like grinding through the hard times and accountability and showing up when it's hard and showing up and go and pull out when you're not a hundred percent. You know, right. there are so many great things that teach you about being successful in life. And to me, that's the most important thing. And those are the things that, you know, I feel like we should highlight and that sometimes people overlook because they feel like they want to ask the, the tougher question or the you know, this one small percentage of something that's happened in this much bigger, great picture. Absolutely. No, I totally get that. I'm going to squeeze one last question out of here before we go, but I'm just going to let everyone know that's tuned into this, that your socials, websites, books, all of that good stuff will be in the show notes of this episode. But like I said, one last question, if Monica lives to whatever year she wants to live, she wins as many championships, coaches as many people, whatever you want to accomplish, you accomplish everything, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice. What would that be? I think one piece of advice, oh my goodness, always have self-accountability and show up, show right. up. I love that. Yeah. No, I love that. It goes full circle with what we mentioned in this episode. So Monica, expressing gratitude to you for all the work that you've done for joining us here on Decoding Success. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You have just tuned into the Decoding Success podcast, episode number 237, featuring our friend Monica Aldama. Now, being that you're still listening to this episode, I can make the radical assumption that it has impacted you in some form, some way, and I'm going to urge you to make sure that you connect with Monica, which you could do so in the show notes of this episode through social medias, where you can grab her book, websites, all of that good stuff, always found in the show notes of this episode. But outside of that, being that my voice is still coming through your headphones, your speakers, your phone, however you're listening to this, again, I need to urge you to make sure that you are sharing this episode. You need to go full out in life and help the people in your life go full out. You have the ability to do so by sharing Monica's message. So make sure you're sharing it with two people in your life. Not three, not one, but two. And why? Because two is different than three and one. That's why we went with that number today. But make sure you're sharing it with those people, even if you share it on social media, however, wherever, to whomever you share it, you have the power to be a beacon of light and help people go full out. So make sure you're taking them up on that. And lastly, if you have yet to hit that subscribe button, make sure you are smashing it so that you could always, always, always be up to date with the incredible guests that we're featuring here on Decoding Success, just like Monica. Until next week, everyone, be blessed. Peace.